Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome to the program. Always an honor to sit in for Jim, play a small role contributing to the biggest and most important show in our industry. Brian Weber with you as the fill-in scrub. I cannot command a decade on a Friday. That's only for the Hall of Famer. But I can sense the reaction across this great land of ours, soaking in the dulcet tones. Can we get a deca? Yeah. No! Is that a question? Yeah. Weber, no! No, 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 no! Here is the good news. This is my last fill-in shift for the foreseeable future. Maybe back in August, I'm on a hour-by-hour renewal. Even better news... Jim is back on Monday. We made it. So I'm in a good mood. I think I just gave you the best news you're going to hear all day. Let's crank ding up the momentum at 1-800-636-8686. Emails on an ATP Friday. RomanHaveATake.com. Your tweets will be read in roughly 20 minutes. B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. And since this is my hail and farewell for a while in the summer, I'm going to take my normal approach and go even bigger. We're putting five hours of content into a three-hour bag together because the NFL is ramping up. Training camps get going next week, Monday, the franchise tag deadline. You are led to believe by the majority of sports media that Saquon Barkley is the only running back about to get screwed. How about Josh Jacobs? All he did was lead the NFL in rushing last year. We're not talking about him at all. We will tackle the topic of running backs and where they belong financially in the modern NFL straight ahead. Got the second half of the baseball season getting underway tonight. That means the Angels have roughly two weeks to come to their senses and trade Joey Otani prior to the trade deadline. Of course, they won't because they're the Angels. NBA Summer League winding down. We have a Damian Lillard update. According to a report from Portland, new parameters of a potential deal between the Heat and the Blazers taking shape. We'll get there coming up in hour number two. And college football is here because media days have begun. The needy Big 12 now with 14 teams briefly before Oklahoma and Texas say adios to go grab all the money they can in the SEC have kicked off media days with the SEC having their annual convention of nonsense starting on Monday so I'll get to college football in the final hour of the program as always just two guests in our three hours together and none until we're deep into hour number two of the program 140 Eastern time we talk NFL with Trevor Sikama Uh, Pro Football Focus, and then we'll wrap up the program with Gusto, 240 Eastern. Yes, I am now a shill for baseball, but I'm always smarter when I have a conversation with Joe Sheehan, veteran baseball writer. You have read his work on many platforms. He's now bet on himself. He has gone into business for his own purposes and his own financial gain. Be sure to subscribe to the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. So, with a pro football focus analysis coming up in the second hour of the show. And if you don't know how they approach things, it's data-driven, not just eyeball tests. They break down every down of the regular season, perhaps even exhibition football, and assign grades across rosters. I think we might have to do something similar, and I'm deferring to the man with the Ivy League education. I had the misfortune of chatting with producer Tom prior to the start of the program. It's one of those things where you know the answer, but you have enough self-loathing that you're going to ask the question anyway. I say, Tom, do I want to know how I'm doing on the power rankings of guest hosts, the hierarchy of fill-in hacks? And Tom, to his credit, shook his head and said, I don't think you want to know. And then, of course, because I'm just that needy, and I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome, begging for your approval. I asked the logical follow-up, and Tom said he got together with the folks from Pro Football Focus. We used their IP. They ran 10,000 simulations. I could have the greatest show of all time. I will not crack the top 10. So I can go one of two ways. I can say, screw you, clones. You're dead to me. After all I've tried to do for every one of you, I can't get in the top 10 or I know my worst tendencies. I'm going to beg for you to love me even more. So pick up the phone. 1-800-636-8686. Your tweets now in 15 minutes. Do not tweet at me this line of reasoning. This is my favorite one. 
You can love me. You can hate me. Just don't ignore me. What does Jim say? Give me an A. Give me an F. Don't give me a C. I want to have some sort of reaction. But my favorite pushback for the folks who don't enjoy this act, you talk too much. It's a talk show. So what you're telling me is dead air is better than what I have to offer. You'd rather have this in three, two, Irish crickets right there. Okay, so if I'm lucky enough to come back in August, I'm going to book 19 guests, let them do all the work, and have a sandwich because you know I'm going to carbo load during the program. And with that, let's get to the NFL. And I filibustered for a reason. I realized franchise tag talk can be mind-numbing. So I'm not getting into the minutia of the tag. Although, here's your big picture thought with the deadline looming on Monday for both Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs and everybody else who got tagged to work out a long-term contract extension with their current teams or they're playing for the tag. Here's your real question. Why does the tag even exist? Now, we could talk about it in theoretical sense, why it was invented years ago, and the goal was, at the time, to have more roster stability. That's how it was framed by ownership. We want our fan base to connect with stars, and they're not going to be running out the door. Well, let's tell it like it is. It was an impediment to free agency. It was a restraint of trade. It was limiting how much a star player could make in the short term. But here's the problem for running backs. The position has been so radically devalued, a lot of these guys don't get to that meaningful payday deeper in their careers. So, just from a perspective of the actual utility of the tag, I get it. It would be smart for any employer to say, okay, you are the best barista. At my coffee shop, I'm rolling my R's, I'm Brian Weber, in for Jim Room, perhaps because I'm multitasking and enjoying the early stages of the second semifinal Wimbledon with the Spanish sensation Carlos Alcalaz taking on Daniel Medvedev. You're the best coffee maker in my shop, and you know what I'm going to do to reward you? I'm going to tag you, because I'm a franchisee. You're going to make the top five salaries averaged out. You're going to make a good payday, but I'm going to block you moving to my competitor. That's all the tag is. And it's been financially crushing for running backs. So I want to be balanced with this analysis. Let's start towards where we are here in Southern California in Vegas with Josh Jacobs, friend of the program. Jim had a great interview with him on Radio Row at the Super Bowl in Arizona. Josh Jacobs And I don't think many of you were paying attention because we don't care about fantasy football as much because gambling is so available and permissive. Fantasy football, the comp to me has always been, in terms of people who don't really want to gamble, it's like you you go to Hooters instead of the Gentleman's Club. You're getting a little bit of the sensation, but you don't feel as dirty about yourself. But... In the old days, when Fantasy Alvin was breaking into regular program with a fantasy alert, fantasy alert, Josh Jacobs was spectacular. Number one in the league last year, yards from scrimmage, led the league in rushing, as I mentioned, was first in first downs accomplished on the ground, a first-team All-Pro. And he's been consistent since his rookie year at Alabama. What more does he have to do? That's not the point. It's all about... The franchise that has total control over a player thanks to the tag. So the only recourse that Jacobs has is to withhold the services. Predictably, you had the report yesterday that if he does not get the long-term extension he wants, he's going to be unavailable potentially for parts of training camp. And he can stay home all he wants to. Nothing is going to change because that deadline is immutable. It's not moving. And according to reports, I haven't heard one thing about progress being made between Jacobs and the Raiders, in part because, go back to last season, Josh McDaniels tried to transform that roster in his own image, and we still don't know the status of Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to be the quarterback when we get to the start of training camp. But there were reports floated during the season that Jacobs was available prior to the trade deadline. So he understands what's going on. His frustration is genuine and deserved, 
but nothing's going to change because the collective bargaining agreement is not going to change. And that's something years down the road. I'm just talking between now when Jim returns on Monday, we get to the deadline, expect nothing in terms of movement with Josh Jacobs. Saquon Barkley has dominated every talk show based on the East Coast. I get it. Play the hits, my man. 60% of the nation lives east of the Mississippi River. I was smart enough to bolt there a long time ago. I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. Your tweets on the way. B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. We'll get to your interaction in 10 minutes. Also talking baseball in an entertaining fashion, I promise. Here's a tweet I don't want to read. We'll produce on the air. I am aware Philip Rivers and his better half are expecting their 10th child. Alvin is on the clock. He he knows he's got to step his game up. So, Tom, you can just cross the that clock. off. I, I know that step was already on the up. list in a giant 18 font. One more tweet needs to be curated for me to struggle to read in real time. Saquon Barkley is dominating the conversation more than Jacobs for two reasons. You can argue, I think fairly, he means more to the Giants offense, although I just gave you all the details of the magnificent season Jacobs had last year. Secondly, it's the NFC East. And any TV talking head show that has a producer with any sense is going to load up on that division. It's too bad Tony Pollard accepted the tag. If he hadn't, I'd be talking about the Cowboys and probably have a chance to come back for hour number two because we know how, quote-unquote, America's team generates interest from casual fans. If we get back to the context of fairness, and I know it's not applicable because nothing about the tag is fair, but if we're just going down what's fair as the line of thought, of course Saquon Barkley deserves more money. And let me give you another reflection of where we are as a football culture, the running back tag has gone down over the last eight years as the overall salary cap has gone up because, of course, the NFL has a license to print money. So I saw this on ESPN. I want to give them attribution because there's too much stealing going on in the business. In 2015, the franchise tag for running backs, remember, top five salaries out of position, averaged. Even I could probably butcher that math. 2015 for a running back, $11 bucks. This year for Barkley and Jacobs and Pollard, $10.1 To give you further context, the tag for tight ends is higher than running backs. Tag for tight end now, $11.3 million. Wide receivers over the last eight years went from just under $13 million to nineteen seven. And what does that tell us? The only position that matters, and we know this to be true, is the quarterback position. But the Giants, I think if they're going to have a private moment and tell it like it is internally, are well aware of what Barkley means to their offense. And, and when I mention wide receivers, they're getting paid because they're part of the framework of any successful quarterback. It, it's hand in glove. But I don't have to give you all the tedious numbers that indicate Barkley's importance to the offense, but one of them just says when Barkley plays, in addition to the arrival of Brian Dable, who coached up Daniel Jones and got him paid, but when Barkley plays, Daniel Jones is actually a respectable quarterback, especially this year. But if you go throughout the entire career as a sample size, the disparity in Jones's production. When Barkley is available, and remember he came back from the torn ACL, and when he's not on the field, is profound and stark. Barkley was the leading receiver for the Giants last year, in part because they have a lousy collection of wideouts. And remember, and this is another point that was made, I think, on Pro Football Focus. I just want to make sure I'm not stealing too much. A lot of that came down to Barkley leading the Giants in receptions. Daniel Jones checking down. He was the reliable safety valve coming out of the backfield. But if we're going to come up with how players get paid, you have to go with the numbers. And the numbers say Saquon Barkley has outperformed certainly the rookie deal and has no, I think, pushback other than the tag in asking for real money. He wants Christian McCaffrey money. He's not going to get it. But that's $16 million. You start there as the ask. According to reports, the Giants have countered at 13 So let's be Solomon. Split the baby. Or if Barkley's smart, give up 
a little bit to the Giants so they can feel like they won the negotiation. Nothing wrong with making 13-5 when Aaron Jones gave $5 million back to stay in Green Bay. $11 million bucks. he's still the second highest paid running back in all of football. But this is a terrible time to be a running back, and I don't know what's going to change. And what recourse does Barkley have? Hold out. So you saw the report floated to Diana Rossini of ESPN the other day that, quote-unquote, he might not be available week one for the Cowboys. Okay. But do you really think Barkley's going to miss the entire season? Didn't we all learn the Le'Veon Bell lesson? And give me the last successful holdout, especially at the running back position. I think we have to go back to Emmett Smith a million years ago. Holds out, sluggish start by the Cowboys. Jerry Jones pays them. They go back and win a another million. title. But it's reflective of the overall change in philosophy across the NFL. And I have no skin in the game. I'm not an agent, although I probably could be a slimy agent. I, I know my worst tendencies. I would be, I'd be telling you, no, no, Saquon, we're going to get you every dollar. Hold on. And then, of course, I'd want my money up front. It's just, to me, a bit of a football injustice, not going over the top. I don't want to be too hyperbolic. But when we think about how divisions arise in the locker room, if you're a Giant fan, this is your concern. Barkley's going to ball out because he's a professional. But he's got to look a couple stalls down in that Giant locker room and says, Daniel Jones got all that money? Daniel Jones is only functioning because I'm on the field. And also, if we think about free market economics, not to get too Milton Freeman on you, where was Daniel Jones going? What was the marketplace for Daniel Jones? Even the Falcons were cool with going with Desmond Ritter, and I know some of that is Arthur Smith wants to run the ball, and that got amplified by drafting Bijan Robinson in the top 10 out of Texas. But if anything, the Giants could have used the tag on Daniel Jones. Now, the counter would be, if you believe that Brian Dable really has transformed Jones, he's only going to get better this season, and then you're going to have to pay him more when he's up for the next cycle. But the counter would to that, here, here's my counter, your counter, take a look at the Giants' schedule, and they're no longer playing a bunch of patsies that they had the right to coming off a terrible season. Now they're playing a much more challenging slate of games as a playoff team. So... When we get to Monday and Jim is back and I'll be listening, I would imagine the update is nothing has changed for Josh Jacobs nor Saquon Barkley. There's no need for a GoFundMe. There's nothing wrong with making $10 million. But if a football team is truly a team and you need more than just a serviceable quarterback, a playmaking wide receiver, a shutdown corner if you can get it, and a dude coming off the edge to get to the quarterback, if the goal is to have continuity and a real sense of we're in this together, wouldn't you want to pay your running back if he was the centerpiece to your offense? But people do what they have to do. And as of now, and I don't see it ever changing because the owners always out-negotiate and outwit the players' union at every turn, even with this new executive director taking over for D. Smith. The tag is never going away because owners don't have to. I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome, trying my best to shake off the franchise tag label I have as a guest host. Well, that would imply I was the average of the top five. I'm the tag times two plus two. I'm knocking, though, on the top ten. Tommy's whispering in my ear. Keep it going. The early poll results are that my sucking up is working. I'll demonstrate to you how much I value your opinion. Straight ahead with your tweets, we get interactive. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Emails, RomanAvatake.com on an ATP Friday. Coming up in 20 minutes. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. 
As we move deeper into the first hour of the program, no guests in our initial 60 minutes together. Coming up in hour number two, in addition to the football I just handled, and the football coming up in 15 minutes as we spotlight the AFC East. Looking forward to our conversation, talking NFL with Trevor Sikama, a pro football focus. If you've not heard Trevor, strong opinions, and they're grounded in real analysis. So we'll talk about the potential landing spots for DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook, and the other key elements as we get set for training camps opening next week. Baseball talk here and then at the end of the program, 2.40 Eastern time with Joe Sheehan of the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. In 15 minutes, I mentioned the AFC East dominating the conversation once more. Aaron Rodgers enjoying one of the most scenic vistas in all of sports. Beautiful South Lake Tahoe, Nevada, playing in the celebrity golf event that I used to be a part of for years. I'm told one of the reasons why I lost that gig I was wearing sunglasses during the interviews on a driving range. Is that a fashion crime? Was that wrong? I, di- I didn't get the memo as I was sweating my tuchus off. It was 117 degrees asking Trevor Hoffman about, so when you came out, what was your mindset? The pushback I got, hey, kid, nice interviews. Next time, lose the shades. Not that I'm bitter or anything. It's about eight years ago. But it is a great setting for athletes to have a good time. They are loose. They are quotable. Aaron Rodgers saying what we thought to be true. Quote, we got forced into doing hard knocks. You want to bet Aaron enjoys every moment of it because in addition to being a first ballot Hall of Famer, he is a raging narcissist. Your tweets, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, moving dirt. So it's simple. B.W. Weber is the best substitute pimp of the box ever. End of story. Enjoy the sunsets, Jim. Jim is now communing with you folks from beautiful Wisconsin as the sun begins its descent. Only 115 degrees in Arizona. Remember, though, it's a dry heat. Get an essay. Webs don't feel so bad. We can't crack the top ten either. Yours, Canadian smack-off collars. Ooh. A controversial take. Now, do we factor in the exchange rates for our neighbors to the north? What's a loony worth these days? I think if you finish 13th Canadian, probably get you 8th or ninth here in the States. Oh, my, my man Scott in Salt Lake is back. The T.S. Eliot of the jungle. I have to read this slowly because follow me. It's going to work here unless I mess up the delivery. Hey, Brian, what up? Brian in the top 10 might happen, but when? It's tough in the jungle den. At least you're back again. Philip Rivers up to 10. Do we say amen? Well, all righty then. Scott in Salt Lake. I don't know what I owe the honor to Scott taking the time to craft that. It's not a haiku. I don't know exactly what it is. E.E. Cummings, it's an attempt at... Something to class up the program. And then we'll go from the peak to rock bottom. Brian, you will skyrocket up the rankings if you interview Parody Gary in the second hour. Andy in Portland War, Parody Gary. Parody Gary. That's the bit. It's concise. It hits you right where you live. And before we talk baseball, do we need a welfare check for Parody Larry? Parody Gary. Or Gary. Normally when I'm in the chair... Larry feels like that's his invitation to wear down poor producer Tom. Tom's saying we've not heard from Larry. I'm not soliciting the phone call. I'm just used to the rhythms of my summers. And no Larry so far, maybe, as we forward promote, could be a special appearance in the final hour of the program. Spent a couple minutes on baseball prior to the sports update, depending on how you're consuming the program. So. I went back and watched the shows on Monday and Tuesday. I was very tan on Tuesday. I must have slept by the pool in my one-bedroom apartment. If you could get past my orange face, I was filled with lava-filled hot takes about baseball. So hopefully you're noticing I'm doing two minutes instead of 20 minutes. I didn't get a memo from anybody. If we can have a moment of candor, one of the things I truly respect and admire is when you're in this role, you get full attitude, understanding it's Jim's 
brand, don't screw it up. So I try to focus on topics I think you're going to find appealing. But I was getting granular talking about things that were revving me up. So if we just take a step back with baseball getting ready to kick off the second half of the season, coming off what I thought was an enjoyable All-Star game. Although, hey, Fox, I used to work there. I know you want us to be aware that Derek Jeter's on the payroll. I didn't need that whole inning of A-Rod. And are A-Rod's teeth distracting or is it just me? They were glistening through my cheap old Panasonic TV. (laughs) Big Poppy's trying. They want him to be a combination of Terry Bradshaw, Howie Long, and Jimmy Johnson. He's doing everything. And Jeter's cool because he's Jeter. He's the modern Joe DiMaggio. But it's the all-star game. People want to know what's going on. You don't hijack an entire inning. Again, there's my free advice, and I realize I'll never be walking through the gates on Pico. I wouldn't cross that picket line either, as an aside. But I thought the All-Star game was entertaining. Home Run Derby, we talked about all the highlights there. Baseball has done a terrific job of becoming more relevant, primarily because of all the young stars. And yeah, it would have been better if Ellie Dela Cruz was there. We've got time. He's 21 years old. Corbin Carroll is 22. My guy, I'm obsessed with Adley Rushman, maybe because I saw him play at Oregon State. But the switch hitting catcher for the resurgent Orioles, if you've not looked at the standings, don't worry about it. That's my job. Orioles, part of a loaded AL East where everybody has a record significantly above 500. Orioles right now controlling the first wild card of the American League. And Rushman going deep in home run derby from both sides of the plate. There is a guy that we never talk about, but I'm going to continue to hammer this point. Luis Arise is hitting 383. It's July 14th in my lifetime, and I'm older than my upbeat, constant, quick-fire delivery would suggest. In my lifetime, here are the people who have been flirting with 400 after the All-Star game. Rod Carew, George Brett, Tony Gwynn. That's the list in the last 50 years. And we know Arise won the batting title in Minnesota last year, but nobody seems to care. Still, it's another elements across the country the surprising marlins are a positive story that give me hope that maybe baseball's in the mix with a little bit more regularity i live in the real world we're gonna drift away from baseball until we get to october that's fine but it was entertaining for me as a veteran of these fill-in shifts in the summer not to be constantly looking ahead to All right, let's go through my power rankings of the AFC West. And anyone can do any show in any fashion they want. It's up to you to make that business decision. So the final thought comes down to this. As a lapsed baseball fan, the pitch clock has changed everything for me. And the quantitative takeaway from the first half of the season says it all. Average length of games down 25 minutes. There's been no significant resistance from the players at all. They made the adjustment. Yeah, there were some bumpy moments in spring training and early on in April, but it hasn't been cataclysmic. The adjustment has been made, and it's a better product. So how in the world, unless you believe baseball is always going to go baseball, Are we even having the conversation that the union wants some flexibility? And I realize I'm parsing things here. Tony Clark's only asking for 15 or 20 seconds more. But the answer is no. Why would you tamper with something that's working? And and theoretically, shouldn't you be even more locked in in the playoffs as a pitcher? Shouldn't you have that sense of urgency on the mound every time you're getting set to throw to home plate? So no. We are not having two, and yes, now I'm Commissioner Uncle B. Webb. We are not having different rules in the regular season and the postseason. Forget about the ghost runner. It's a gimmick. It'll go away soon enough. And when I come back, let's see. I'll be here the day after Thanksgiving, maybe. I'll put it in my pile. Hey, folks, I didn't have a chance to get this to you in October. Why did they tinker with the pitch clock? Just put it away. Stop the conversation. Baseball's finally doing some positive things. And this, I guess, is why we can't have nice things overall. I'm Brian Weber. 
and for Jim Rome. I want your thoughts at 1-800-636-8686. There's no guests, just me and you. And that's why apparently you think I talk too much until the next hour of the program. We're going to take you to the AFC East. What do we make of reports the Bills could make a run at signing DeAndre Hopkins? How do you think Stephon Diggs would react to that news? Plus, I'm going to follow the breadcrumbs. We're going to try to do some quote-unquote journalism here. Why did a story leak in the Boston Globe the other day? Now, Bill Belichick is already on the hot seat. Answers to those questions and more on the way. First, let's get you a sports update. Andrew Bogish has all the details. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Closing in on hour number two of this fine program, fine in my estimation. In just over 15 minutes, we'll ease in talking some NBA. And if you're tired of the Damian Lillard topic, I fully understand. That's why I'm doing my best to come up with some different slants. And there was a report in the Oregonian out of Portland providing more details as to how the trade could ultimately come together. Not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month. But when we get to resolution and Lillard winds up in Miami, According to the Oregonian, we have more specifics. And what do you know? Tyler Hero in the mix for now. Let's see if the Blazers can flip him into another asset to get the full package they're looking for. That's coming up in addition to some Zion Williamson thoughts. And we missed the opportunity for another night of Wemby Mania. Should have been playing tonight for the Spurs, but San Antonio did the right thing at Summer League to shut him down. A reminder. We have plenty of time to interact at 1-800-636-8686. I'm talking NFL here, but I'm open to taking a phone call in the next hour. More of your tweets coming up in hour number two as well. So let's keep that flowing at B.W. Weber, Weber with two Ps. And it is an ATP Friday. Send your thoughts, your questions, your observations to RomanHaveATake.com. A reminder of how this works. You, the clones, get to ask me a question brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Go to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros. Submit your question. Be listening later in the show. I could answer that question. Thank O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get the parts and service you need fast from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. DeAndre Hopkins is looking for a job. He's going to be signed by somebody, and there's no... Urgency. There's no need to rush because training camps are just about to get underway. He'll show up at the right time to give himself an ample opportunity to learn the new offense. And the last time I was with you a couple days ago, I ran through the conventional wisdom that says the leading candidates to sign a former top five wideout in all of football was seen his production decline. In fact, that's the reason why coming up in the next hour of the program, I want to have that conversation with Trevor Sikama, Pro Football Focus. I'm giving you my eyeball test. He'll tell you what the numbers say about Hopkins at the age of 31, coming off a sluggish year last season, in part because he missed all the games due to getting popped for the PED suspension. You have New England. You have Tennessee. Kansas City's been mentioned as an outlier. However, the balancing act for Hopkins comes down to this. Is he looking to get paid right now at the age of 31? Does he want to get the full bag? Or is he willing to go to a contending team that is certainly not Tennessee and that's not New England either? New England, Vegas says, on track for another eight-win season. So Kansas City, clearly a chance to put up monstrous numbers when you have Patrick Mahomes throwing you the football or What about Buffalo? That came into focus over the last few days, that Buffalo apparently is still in the hunt for Hopkins. Makes sense because the Bills have to do everything they can to maximize this season. 
And I'll get to the quote-unquote hot seat conundrum on a big word Friday that Bill Belichick is facing momentarily. Sean McDermott should have a ton of job security. Think about where the Bills were before he got there and where they are now. He just got a contract extension along with GM Brandon Bean during this offseason. But the burden of expectations are so real in Western New York that if the Bills don't at least make it to the AFC title game, something's got to change. And I'm not looking for people to get fired. I'm not a Bills insider. I went to a game at Orchard Park in 1983. That, that's checking my box of good knowledge of upstate New York. I understand the role the Bills Mafia plays here in the jungle. I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. Tweet at me, BW Weber, Weber with two Bs. More of your tweets coming up in the next hour of the program. But it feels like the Bills are stuck in neutral to a degree. And a addition like Hopkins certainly would bolster a roster that's already top three, top five on both sides of the football. My question would be, how would Stephon Diggs react to the signing of Hopkins. Now, if you're a Bills hawk, you're going to tell me he'd be thrilled because it makes it more challenging to double-team Diggs. Fair. I appreciate the thought. I'm going to go the other way. We know that Diggs is unhappy about something. Is it the contract? We don't know. Seems like he's unhappy about the role he's played in the offense going back to the playoff loss at home when the Bills looked so emotionally flat against Cincinnati. Got Radically outplayed by the Bengals. Diggs was not happy on the sideline in that game. You think he's going to be more happy or less happy if Hopkins shows up and Diggs targets and receptions go down? Egos matter. Personalities have to mesh. Diggs has already, according to Josh Allen on that podcast, Bustin' with the Boys, which is terrific, Diggs was sent home by McDermott. We got a little bit more context there because the initial report was he stormed out. So if we have a personality conflict already brewing and it's become more prevalent, I don't know that Hopkins being added to the roster is going to make Diggs any happier. I think this is leaked, of course, by Team Hopkins to drive up his value to the teams that are more realistic landing spots, namely Tennessee and New England, because he's doing what he should do. Get every dollar you can, and if you have more potential folks at the table— bargaining for your services, you're going to be able to squeeze out a few more dollars. How about Bill Belichick? Because you can make the case that New England should go all in for both Dalvin Cook and Hopkins. And I'm not a capologist, but I'm telling you what you should know by now. Once Tom Brady left, he took the Patriots' mystique with him. New England is just another team. And that's not me hot-taking things. That's me interpreting how this story wound up in the Boston Globe the other day that friends of Belichick, quote-unquote, privately say they are worried he's on the hot seat. And the decision to pay Gerard Mayo big money to make him effectively a coach in waiting is turning up the pressure there. So stories don't just arrive out of the ether. There's typically an anatomy to them. This is me giving you educated speculation. How does this wind up in the Boston Globe? Well, clearly this is leaked by Team Belichick, I'll put it that way, to put it out there to gauge the reaction of Patriot fans, hoping that some of the childs will say, oh, you can't make a move on Bill. He's won all those rings. And hoping for the equity of that brand to mean something. I mentioned, where were the Bills prior to Sean McDermott? Where were the Patriots before Bill Belichick? I would ask you where they were before Tom Brady, but that's a separate conversation. So to me, this was floated to build some empathy, build some outrage. How can you make a move on Bill? I think it's delusional because fans don't care about what you did last week. Even if you have six rings, they want it tomorrow. They want it next year, and they want it over and over again. And Belichick is clearly now a stat compiler in the twilight of his career. He's 30 wins away from Don Shula. That's 30 regular season wins. Well, let's just do the math. Eight wins last year. Eight times eight times. I don't know that he's going to survive in New England because Robert Kraft is 82 years old. 
I know he married somebody half his age, and I hope he hangs on forever. That's my plan these days. Let's see. I am 52. I'll give you a texting update to start the next hour. Are you a weirdo that hangs on to all of your texts? I should do an Insta poll. First of all, you're a hoarder. That's just wrong. Secondly, if you're going to have the receipts, as the kids say, (laughs) don't just drop them on somebody in the middle of a fight. But we'll get there coming up in hour number two. I admire Robert Kraft's goal for longevity. But is he going to have to live to 110 for Bill Belichick to get this record? A reminder, Belichick is most likely going to get to the mark of being the all-time losing his coach in NFL history much before he gets to John Shula's mark for the most wins. He only needs 13 losses to become the losing his coach, that mark of ignominy. So we can't have a fair evaluation of the Patriots now because we don't know what the roster fully looks like. If you're telling me they get Hopkins, now they have a serviceable number one receiver Mac Jones cannot be worse than he was last year because finally he has an offensive mind to Bill O'Brien. But what's the ceiling for Mac Jones? What we saw in his rookie year? Okay. Bills met up with the Patriots who made it to the postseason and destroyed New England. I think we know who Mac Jones is already, although according to this report, Mac Jones is somebody who's admired by the Kraft family. Mac Jones might outlast Bill Belichick. But to me, this story leaked for one reason and one reason only, to build empathy and sympathy for a guy who's just hanging on. Hour number two on the way. Are you a freak who hangs on to your old texts? You can tell me why. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. I'll take you inside my really riveting personal life. And we're talking the future of Damian Lillard. Straight ahead here on CBS Sports Radio. It's another big and hopefully compelling hour of the program. Great to have you with us on this final Friday before the return of Jim Rome. Back with you on Monday, 1-800-636-8686. I took a phone call on Monday. It was historic. I rarely take calls during the summer months. So, even though I've hit my quota, maybe I'm going to live dangerously. I'm feeling dangerous on a Friday. We might venture back to the phone lines at 1-800-636-8686. ATP Friday with your ATP coming up in the final hour of the program. So give us more material. Rome and have a take.com is the email address. Your tweets on the way in 20 minutes. I have a subtopic I'm going to address in a minute. Here's how this hour plays out. In addition to your tweets in 20 minutes, just a little bit more baseball because I jumped into the hot tub time machine, not hot tub time machine two, just the original. And I am now completely immersed in baseball. Now hit me up on Twitter in a week, BW Weber, Weber with two B's. I won't be able to name anybody across MLB, but as of now, since I'm re-energized Mets and Dodgers tonight, weather permitting, in a very stormy summer in New York. If you know anything about how Steve Cohen made all of that money that he's throwing away with the most gargantuan payroll in baseball history, would a guy with that background making huge bets on Wall Street allow his team to be sellers? Coming up at the trade deadline, we'll talk about that. And in 40 minutes, we'll bring in our first guest. Looking forward to talking more NFL Trevor Sycamore does a phenomenal job of analyzing every nuance of every down played in the regular season. They throw it all into their supercomputer like this one. I have the supercomputer right here. I'm going to turn on the computer when Trevor joins me in 40 minutes. Pro Football Focus with Chris Collinsworth, the lead investor, has changed how we look at the NFL. Here's your subtopic with the NBA being our focal point to tip off the second hour of the program. And I was not planning on doing this, but I stumbled across it organically when I was talking about the differential between Patriots owner Robert Kraft at 82 years old and his latest wife, who's in her late 40s, a doctor in the New York Tri-State area. And I was thinking a little bit about my personal life and some of the issues I have run into. Some are generational. I'm in my early 50s. I'm single. Obviously, I'm Peter Pan. I'm living some delusion. When you date people 
who are of maybe more of a TikTok generation. Here's what I learned the hard way. I was also trying to figure out what I'm doing after the program. I am now in a holding pattern. Theoretically, I'm picking someone up at the airport. I did this exact same bit a year ago. That's how tedious my personal life is. Same person. So maybe I should listen to myself when I'm telling all these teams, move on, find a better way. I may be the Uber driver. I may not. I've yet to get the reply to my text. So, of course, I should just keep my entire Friday on hold just in case you needed me to pick you up at, I don't know, 11.30 p.m. Same person. There was a difference of opinion. However I arrived in this role, 99% of why I've had some success in broadcasting, just a smidge, is I have a good memory. So, for example, I write things out, and I'll hold it up to our wonderful production team on CBS Sports Network. We've already had the mug discussion the other day. I write things out. I remember them. And I am old. This is half a manila folder. Reason you go with that is if you're outside, it won't blow away. If it gets wet, you can still read your notes. I write this crap out, and it sticks in my mind. And then I can give you all of the salient takeaways you need to know about the latest on Damian Lillard. Unfortunately, that's also burdened my personal life. I remember everything, and I don't misremember. And I remember all my own flaws, too, okay? So here's the punchline. There was a disagreement, and I quoted something that I said. And I believe the gist was I, <laughs> I was not pleased that the evaluation, much like the power rankings, where I stand as a guest host, I was told we don't have a good relationship. And that kind of, I don't know, was a little bit hard to take. So when things had been clarified, I said, you know, how did you come to that opinion? She said, I never said that. I said, no, no, I, I recall you said we don't have a good relationship. Never said it. And then she said, all right, let me look at the text. I've been involved with somebody for over a year now who has saved every text message. Now, nothing inappropriate is going on. This is a 30-something-year-old person here. I'm not trying to get too salacious. But I didn't realize that some people retain all their text messages in their personal life. You should do it at work. Document everything. Tom, write this down. Weber did not get to the Lillard take until 6 past the hour. Document it. She scrolled back to whatever this kerfuffle was two months ago, and the text to me said, <laughs> things aren't going great these days. I interpreted that to mean we don't have a good relationship. Now, you could say we should, I don't know, go on a game show, a reality show, get paid for these thoughts, but I want to throw it out there. In addition to you telling me that I love Bob's big boy, etc. When we get to the tweets in 15 minutes, sincerely, what would be the explanation for you and your personal life to hang on to all of these texts? I'm just looking for clarification. I don't understand you young people. And by the way, watch some TV so we can all still be employed. And with that, let's get to Damian Lord. I didn't want to do 20 minutes on the NBA because we're winding down in the news cycle. And if you're already full of this topic, I got bad news for you. I don't think there's going to be resolution with Lillard winding up in Miami, unless you think he's going to go to the Clippers. I'll give you the latest Adrian Wojnarowski, friend of the program, thought on that in a moment. I'm Brian Weber, in for Jim Rome, bearing my soul at 1-800-636-8686. Emails a possibility, RomanHaveATake.com. And I want your tweets in 15 minutes. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Why do you hang on to your old text messages? What's the point? What's the upside? Are you winning a prize that I'm unaware of? If you tell me that there's money involved or I can get a participation trophy, I might change my mindset. There's no urgency for the Blazers to do anything. And I read you the quote on Tuesday after Blazer GM Joe Cronin had his media availability early this week in Portland. If it takes months, it takes months. If he dies, he dies, as I said the other day as well, because I can't get away from jungle Tourette's I think the tipping point is going to be the start of training camps well that gets us to September October by then there'll be clarity between now and then you're going to hear all of these implausible different scenarios I don't want to waste our time together on that I'll give you the update from the Oregonian in Portland well sourced they cover the team on a daily basis we have heard the name of Tyler Hero repeatedly the pushback from Portland was, we don't want Tyler Hero. No disrespect, but when you say no disrespect, 
there's inherent disrespect. This is going to be no Scoot Henderson's team. Another reason why Lillard has to go. He and Scoot could play together, but if you want to have a real opportunity for Scoot to learn on the job, you got to give him control of the offense. He's ball dominant. You can throw the name into YouTube. Check out what he did with G League Ignite. He's a dynamic talent. Going to take him some time to blossom in the NBA, but he's got star potential. So Hero would only be a rental. Portland does not want him on the roster moving forward. They might take him as part of the deal, but by slow playing things, remember this all started with a report from Sam Amick, the great basketball journalist who checks in on this program all the time from The Athletic, on July 1st that finally, after years of patience and loyalty to the organization, and you could say he's got a contract, he should have that kind of allegiance, but there is a fair argument to be made that Lillard should have forced his way out a couple of years ago. He burned at least two seasons in his prime for a team going nowhere in disarray. Well, to go from July 1st to the 14th, the initial reporting said Miami was stuck on their first offer of Hero plus a couple number twos. Here's the advance. Miami, apparently, according to the Oregonian, has moved to three number ones on the table. So that gets you to the parameters of the Anthony Davis deal. Well, since AD came to L.A., we had a couple other trades that have reset the market, namely Durant the Phoenix, four first-round picks involved in that. Rudy Gobert somehow produced four first-round picks because Danny Ainge is a terrific negotiator. I don't understand that for a moment, but that's the new threshold. So if you're already spent on this topic, I'm trying to give you a little bit of positivity. Miami reportedly has moved from two picks to three picks. We could probably do this together. Get me Joe Cronin on the phone. We will negotiate in real time. Because I'm such a good negotiator in my personal life. I I know I could come up with the framework of the Damian Lillard trade. All it now comes down to is, can the Portland, unless it all collapses or a mystery team jumps in, because that's my favorite part of any laborious negotiation. There's always that mystery team out there. But if we think that the past is a precedent in the NBA, other than Paul George being exiled to Oklahoma City when he wanted out of Indiana to go to the Lakers, and he wound up with the Clippers, and Donovan Mitchell was linked to the Knicks and wound up in Cleveland, but he got paid. The vast majority of the time, when a star wants out, not only does he get out, he goes to where he wants to go. So if we know the end game, Lillard to Miami, and now we're getting a better sense of the framework of the deal, if Portland can find somebody willing to take Hero and give them a first-round pick in return for Hero, and there's nothing wrong with Tyler Hero. I think we overlooked his importance because he broke his hand in the first round of that upset against Milwaukee. And Miami as an eight seed still made the NBA Finals without him. And remember, he had the cameo coming back, and we kept waiting and waiting for his return. But if he were to remain in Miami, he's their third best player behind Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. I'm not denigrating Hero, but it's clear Portland doesn't want him. If they can find a taker and get a first-round pick in return, there's your deal. One more thought, though, because the longer this goes on, the more NBA insiders need to have material to cover. Adrian Wojnarowski, the best in the business to route that if this continues and it becomes clear that Philadelphia does not want to move James Harden. Remember, Harden opted in to the remaining year left in his deal. And if Philadelphia thinks that they can't get fair value for Harden and they think that Harden plus Embiid, if he can stay healthy, plus an improved Tyrese Maxey, who's moving in the right direction, means a better-than-second-round performance in the playoffs. Unfortunately, if you're a Sixer fan, you know that's unrealistic because this team only makes it to the second round and loses every year. But if Philadelphia decides, and I don't think it's going to happen because Daryl Morey has the relationship with Harden back to Houston, and nobody's been better at manipulating his way off a team than Harden. Didn't want to play for Houston, wanted to go to Brooklyn, got it done. 
Once he got to Brooklyn, he looked around and said, this sucks. This is dysfunctional. I'm out of here. Went to Philadelphia. But if for some reason Maury holds the line and they don't move Harden or they slow play it all the way to the trade deadline and Philadelphia is now going to make Harden show up, Clippers are dead set on getting another piece to go with, unfortunately, the always injured Kawhi Leonard and now the increasingly injured Paul George. What about Damian Lillard to the Clippers? To me, that's interesting. We have never mentioned Lillard at a Western Conference team, at least not in our time together. I know the Spurs have been floated out there. That just seems like fantasy booking. But I I guess since we're running through these scenarios, I don't see it. If we're talking about more logical landing spots, Brooklyn has all of those assets having gone through the Lillard kerfuffle already with Durant to Phoenix and Kyrie to Dallas. The Sixers, maybe, but that involves Harden leaving. So it feels like if you believe Miami's not a done deal and you want to think there's another potential team in play, why not the Clippers? Unless Portland has some steadfast belief they don't want Lillard in their division. They don't want him in the Western Conference. They don't want to deal with him more than the selective matchups by sending him east. But the Clippers, while they continue to underachieve, have an owner in Steve Ballmer who'll spend whatever it takes, even with the new punitive CBA and that second apron we keep hearing about for folks who go over the luxury tax. They have a lot of dudes. Problem is, when you build your team around Kawhi and Paul George, they're just not reliable. But if we're just stacking rosters here, go through all of the assets Clippers still have. A lot of guys who can fill up a lot of time on the floor. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but since we've been exhaustive and thinking about all these different combinations, Lillard and the Clippers is interesting. And I'll leave it to Jim to tackle this when he comes back on Monday. As we wind down with the NBA thoughts, no, Wemby, that's okay. Wemby also said the last time we saw him on Sunday, and we get what the Spurs are doing, and the... Two games at the Summer League on a high note. Big bounce back from the rough performance a week ago today, going from nine points to 27 and 12 when we saw him on Sunday. Shut it down to make sure there's no ridiculous injury like Chet Holmgren, who has looked very good. And I'm back on Team OKC. You forget they were already in the play-in last year without Holmgren. Remember, he got hurt in a Pro-Am game in Seattle. But he's looked really good in the Summer League beyond all the young talent. And if we think about what Portland wants to do, it's to emulate Oklahoma City. Because Sam Presti has rebuilt this team a few times, and now it's SGA and the rest of that crowd. But Wembenyana also told us the last time we saw him on Sunday, you're not going to hear from me for a while. And that's astute. Give him time to focus on his body. He's 19 years old. Here's what I didn't love, and I know Kenny Smith is... A, speaking his mind, he's entitled that because he's one of the best in the business. B, perhaps getting caught up in Wemby mania. Did you see Smith saying the other day that he predicts Wemby winning an MVP in four years? Let's dial down the hype machine a bit. I remember on Inside the NBA, they told me repeatedly that Anthony Davis was going to win multiple regular season MVPs. So we all fall in love with certain players, and there's a lot to – Appreciate about Wembenyana. Primarily his rim protection ability. The guy's going to average three to four blocks a game. And he can handle and he can shoot threes. But if we're looking at the West, even with Wembenyana having a phenomenal year, who are you going to take out of that playoff mix? That included OKC in the play-in. New Orleans was there. Can we finally count on Zion Williamson? And I think, unfortunately, the answer is no. Because you are what you consistently do. Now, I appreciate Lisa's candor on Gilbert Arenas' podcast the other day. He sidestepped the question about diets, which I can empathize with, but I'm not a professional athlete. Nora, text hoarder, and I want your thoughts about people who hang out to text for no reason. Tell me why. That's logical. We'll get there coming up in just over five minutes. But at least Zion is acknowledging what we all know to be true. Something's got to change. 
Now, remember, he got paid last year. So it's not about financial concerns. This is about being a semblance of the talent we all know he is. But if you go back to Duke, he has missed more games than he has played. And some of that comes down to not focusing on nutrition. I don't care about the off-the-court issues. Well, speaking of holding on to text and DMs, Zion learned the hard way. Nothing like that has happened to me, thankfully. But from a overall perspective of the NBA being about star power, I just want to see Zion play 65 or 70 games. Because I was here last summer when we were talking about how great he looked. Remember he got into shape? And he looked like a Batman villain. He got all banged up. And then he got banged up because he just can't stay healthy. So when he's talking about flexibility, fine. But eat better. Make sure your body is aligned to be your business because he is squandering important years. And if we're talking about who's under pressure, we had the nonsensical hot seat construct made up, I think, by Team Belichick. But if you want to have pressure ratings heading into next season, yes, Wemby's going to dominate the conversation. Nobody is under more pressure than Zion Williamson. He's got to show up, and he's got to play 65 to 70 games. I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. Hop aboard at 1-800-636-8686. We'll keep the next content block concise because in 20 minutes we're talking NFL with a terrific analyst, the Trevor Sikama, pro football focus. I am now Captain Baseball. I'm going to teach you how to play pepper, but the side say no pepper allowed. We're going to get into the Mets situation because they're kind of stuck in the middle, still within shouting distance of the wild card, playing better after the debacle of the month of June. But if you think about how Steve Cohen made all that money, is there any way he's going to allow this team to be sellers? We get to the trade deadline on August 1st. Plus, tell me your justification for being a text hoarder. Now, if it's Zion Williamson you're texting with, I understand. There's money to be made. I'm a struggling, barely hanging on, fill-in talk show host. Tell me why people are hanging on to texts. And we'll do that via Twitter. BW Weber, Weber with two Bs. Much more to get to. On a high energy Friday, Weber in for Rome here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Jim Rome Show. Good night now!